the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. It's Wine Women Radio Hour. I'm Marcia Maycumber here with Misty Rodebush Kane. Good afternoon, Misty. Good afternoon, Marcia. How's it going on your end? Good. It's um, beautiful days, fall days out here. So I'm feeling the season, season change, warmer mornings, and um, it's great in Sonoma yeah. County. And darker mornings, too, since, uh, you know, sun's going away as we head towards shortest day of the year. Uh, we've also got Lisa Adams-Walter. How are you, Lisa? Hello, everybody. I am fine in Napa County. And Woo-hoo. it's gorgeous here as well. My favorite time of the year. Yeah, I think me too. It's so pretty with the, the desiccated leaves all um, changing into yellows and oranges and deep reds uh, and the low angle of the sun. It's, it's, you know, harvest is a super time of year and as everything transitions, so it makes it a lot of fun. So what, what is, for you two ladies, uh, what have you been seeing happening in the wine world or you're working on in wine right now? Stomp the band. You can go ahead, Lisa, or I can go ahead either way. I was just going to say that in Napa County, um, wineries are now able to host people indoors at a a certain percentage of visitorship. So we moved into an orange tier with COVID. So that's been really great. It's impacted the wine industry positively and restaurants as well. So there is a little more upbeat of a mood, I think. I've certainly noticed on Highway 29 a lot more traffic, which is, you know, early in the morning, it's a lot of, you know, increased number of people going to work and, you know, more traffic on the weekends from visitors as well. And I think as people can continue to maintain their social distance and wear their masks, they can still enjoy life and enjoy some of the simple pleasures such as wine and food. So um, I'm hoping to continue to see that sort of energy and enthusiasm on the rise. Right. Yeah, how we, about you? Yeah, same same sort of thing. We're really happy to be um, opening back up at limited capacity for indoors. It sort of aligns nicely with the change of seasons. And as we move in to the fall season, you know, we'll be able to welcome guests indoors. So we're really excited about that. And, you know, just continuing to do it as cautiously as possible um, at the St. Supery Winery in Rutherford. And then on the other front, you know, we're really, really deep into planning right now and trying to figure out um, what 2021 is going to have in store for us from a consumer perspective and also from a trade and partner perspective. Like what, you know, what's going to be next? Like how many more Zooms will people want to sit in on and what do we need to do to remain relevant in the space and keep engagement up and keep that conversation going with our customers if you know they're still sort of leery about making the trip out to visit us in Napa. Wonderful, that's a great thing. Um, with my own clients, they are uh, they long ago shifted from uh, in-person tasting experiences to pushing a lot more with their website um, to generate a website purchases. And of course, you can't actually make a website, you know, make a sale. You can only improve the site to improve those chances. Uh, but you can use email marketing to reach your list to do that. And I've been doing more of that with a couple of my clients. And it was nice yesterday to, to click into the program and see that one customer uh, purchased like more than four cases of wine, like seven grand worth of wine in one order, <laughs> all, all separate bottles, you know, different stuff which meant that that was keeping the stocking person busy running around finding and fulfilling that order. So that was kind of nice to see that that's still working, you know, that's still generating good results. So it is fantastic. And finding out what they want, what, what our consumers want to hear about from a Napa perspective and finding creative ways to enhance 
the content and, you know, what type of materials we're making available to the world, um, you know, to educate them on, on our wines is, I think it's, it's interesting. And it's given us this COVID situation and the stay at home orders has given us um, a lot of time to reflect on that and really um, improve our game. Like you mentioned, you know, just looking at your general web presence and trying to find some creative ways to reach people that might not be how we always have reached them. Yep. Very true. I work with some wineries in Dry Creek Valley, actually, and one of them in particular has really, you know, from, I can't say from the very, very beginning, there's one that I worked with that actually went online and started doing live events before the shutdown even happened. Another one kind of got into it maybe in the first few weeks, and now they have a very, very vibrant online program, and they have people from all over the country, and all of a sudden, they've realized that there was a lot of money on the table that they weren't tapping into because they were just doing what they used to do, which was trying to build their club out of their tasting room and then deal with their existing wine club, which was also very active and very successful. But now they've, they've realized that by really connecting with their consumers via Zoom, whether it's with the winemaker or the wine club manager, that they've, they were able to keep their people employed throughout this whole thing just by everybody diving in and really, really, you know, becoming invested in the, in the online world and, and this had happened in the wine industry 10 years ago before we were this immersed in technology. I think it would have been devastating, but those that have been able to, we hear this all the time, but those that have been able to pivot and actually, you know, make the best of it and kind of keep their business going, it's been pretty successful and exciting to see. And I don't think it's going away. I don't think that the Zooms and the virtual events are going away, especially with travel unknown right now. I happened to be at SFO to drop someone off yesterday and it was a ghost town, literally nobody around. And um, the person who went to the terminal later texted me and said, all of the shops were closed, all the restaurants were closed. You couldn't get anything inside there. So it's going to be some time I think before that comes back. And that of course has the trickle down effect and impacts all of our wineries in Northern California. Sure does. Yeah, and I mean, there's and there's been such create such creativity out there. Um, I was just sort of on Facebook today and saw there was this huge like national push for this um, company. It's the Bubble Hotels, and they've created this whole new concept out at Joshua Tree that's sleep under the stars in style. And it was a a GoFundMe page and a huge campaign that they put out. And already, you know, within, you know, they have 22 days left in their campaign, but already they've generated like $421,000 with folks investing to have a one night stay or a two night stay in these luxury accommodations, sort of sleeping outside under the stars in a little um, air conditioned bubble per se. So, um, you know, it's just this creativity that's come out and, you know, I think it's gonna continue as Lisa said, into the new year and, you know, we'll definitely, I'm excited to see what it has in store for wine and what our next, you know, virtual wine experiences are gonna entail and look like. Fascinating. And things that both of you said made me think of questions to ask our guests today um, because we were talking a lot about Napa um, and our guest today, Gianna Kelly, um, grew up in Sonoma County um, but her winery is in Napa, and also um, the experience of the gallery website, that's the name of the brand gallery, uh, was so interesting because uh, when I went to go visit the website, um, the artwork of the vine was all kind of growing on the, the website, on the screen, and I just thought that was so original and clever. So. Without further ado, uh, Gianna Kelly is our guest today. Uh, she got her degree in chemistry from Santa Clara University. Uh, she started out completely outside of the wine business with the IBM Almaden Research Center. We'll have to hear a little bit about that. Uh, but then uh, in fairly short order, I think uh, she worked as a chemist for Enologics and uh, then as an enologist at Stag's Leap Wine Cellars, and then as an assistant winemaker at St. Francis Winery, and now as head winemaker 
at Gallery. So welcome to the show, Deanna. Thank you. Thanks, Marcia. And thanks for that um, introduction. Yeah, like a, like a lot of people, I did not follow a straight path, although it does happen sometimes. But uh, for sure, it was, uh, I wound my way here. Uh, but I sure love where I am. Um, and I'm very glad to be doing what I'm doing every day. I go to work and I love my job. So I feel very fortunate. So just out of curiosity, because it's outside of the scope of what we're doing, but IBM Almaden Research Center, what kind of chemistry does IBM do? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. A lot of people say, huh, IBM? I thought they were all computers. Um, the research I was doing was on polymers for, that are used in the process of manufacturing computer chips. So they're used to mask the chips and then the chips are etched with another um, chemical and that is part of the manufacturing process. So yes. it, it was interesting. It was very, at the time, it was like a very cutting edge laboratory, you know, had all the bells and whistles you could possibly want in a research lab. Uh, but it was also very, for me, very isolated. So it was just myself in the lab all day. <laughs> And once in a while, I'd go talk with um, my supervisor, and that was about it. And so for me, being a little more of a people person and growing up in a restaurant family, I thought, hmm, let me see what other way I could put my chemistry degree to use and still get some of that, um, all the stuff that I love about hospitality and food and wine and this beautiful part of the world uh, that we live in. Nifty. Very cool. When, as soon as you mentioned polymer, polymers, I was thinking about a, an article I was just reading about the way they're developing polymers to coat glass so that literally the, the windows in your home could be solar tiles. I mean, they're, they're getting very creative with um, what they're able to do. So it'll be fascinating to see down the road. Uh, and yeah. winemaking has loads and loads of chemistry involved, which is why I would end up making very bad vinegar and somebody like you can make beautiful wine because <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I couldn't do chemistry. So. <laughs> I can, Gianna. So what do you want our listeners to know about, even though you said your, your journey to winemaking has been a little bit sideways, um, what have been kind of some of the fun surprises along the road that you've enjoyed? Yeah, um, well, I think it surprised me as I got more experience how much I enjoy harvest um, because a lot of people will say like, oh my gosh, harvest, you know, you're working darn near 24 seven and it's so busy all the time. Uh, but I absolutely love it. I love the energy. I love the potential that it speaks to Like it's exciting to see this fruit come in and imagine what it will become um, down the line. And, you know, then there's also the, that people aspect again, we have, you get to work with a great team of people who are excited about wine as well and everybody's into it and um, there's just a lot of great energy a lot of laughs um, a lot of fun and you're making wine so it's like the best of everything pretty much and, yeah and the hard work is super rewarding so you know you get to the end of a day and yeah you're tired but you're but great sense of accomplishment um, yeah. so that's definitely a highlight for me all right. Well, tell us about Gallery Wines, because um, I, you know, I, I did not know the 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 brand before delving into this, and I found the whole, you know, port portraits of vineyards, portraits of place, um, to be, you know, wow, what a great concept. That's that's an absolutely really cool way to go. So, what's the story behind Gallery? Yeah, well, that concept also really attracted me to this position where I am now, because um, my approach to winemaking is definitely to observe um, the natural characteristics that are in the vineyard and then carry through in the wine and really think about how I can highlight those. Um, so it's kind of like 
almost like gardening, I guess, in a way. You're just kind of like helping something grow and become what, what it naturally is. And um, I find that really enjoyable and carry that through into the wines. And this whole idea about taking different vineyard sources and making them in essentially the same way so that what you're tasting in the glass really is um, expressive of where they were grown. That, that whole idea has always fascinated me and the opportunity then to focus on that with um, Cabernet and Sauvignon Blanc was way too enticing to, to pass by. Um, so the gallery wines, the Knights Valley, Napa Valley comparison, again, both Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the Sauvignon Blanc for starters. It's made in a combination of stainless steel, concrete egg, and then neutral barrels. And so we take those uh, different fermentation and aging vessels and then blend them together to end up with what you're tasting in the bottle now. Uh, and I really like that because it allows me to combine kind of the best of everything. You get a lot of freshness and focus from the stainless steel. And then the concrete and the barrels help us develop texture. So there's some weight on the palate, on the finish, a little bit of creaminess, and it lasts instead of just kind of instantly disappearing. Um, and Sauvignon Blanc is such a fun, fun grape to work with because you can really make it whatever you want it to be. So it's always a challenge to bring out sort of the best of what our vineyard sites have to offer. And then similarly with the cab, um, very much made in the same way from the Knights Valley sources and then the Napa Valley sources and um, do native fermentations, um, go through our pump over regime and then basket press everything. So it's a really nice gentle pressing. And then the wine is aged for 20 to 22 months in barrel and then we'll blend it and bottle it. Um, but the, you know, the style of the gallery wines I think is very elegant and pretty and um, very much a classic style. And that really resonated for me um, just in my background at Stag's Leap, which when I was there, that was very much their ethos as well. Um, and then also, as I mentioned, growing up in the restaurant business, having wine that could be enjoyed with food. Um, and as uh, like my dad used to say, could be talked over and not necessarily about. So it was like an, an accessory to the conversation, an accessory to the meal, rather than dominating the scene. Um, so that that was important to me. Very cool. Very nifty. Uh, are are you guys doing any types of virtual tastings right now, or are your club members and like just ordering direct, and that's their interaction? Yeah, no, we are doing a, a series of virtual tastings, at least, um, well, I mean, we took a little break for, for the harvest months, but I did one last night, was kind of the first one back after a couple months of harvest. And as you guys were mentioning earlier, you know, one of the things that's so great about them is it does give me the opportunity to connect with consumers that I wouldn't ordinarily connect with. Like this was a group of um, women entrepreneurs and there were some in LA, some in Austin, some in New York. And we had a, just a fabulous time and we wouldn't necessarily have ever had the chance to get together under other circumstances. So I, you know, I hope going into the future, I certainly hope we get back to traveling because I love it and there's nothing like the face-to-face -face interaction. But I think that we should keep the virtual tastings as well. Uh, just gives us broader scope and a really nice way uh, to form a personal connection. I, uh. I, yeah, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more, Giona. And, you know, really bringing and we're able to transpose and sort of bring our guests or transcend our guests into the Napa Valley. And one of the things that I really, really love about Gallery Wines is that, you know, right on your website, you have an entire section that's dedicated to the portraits of place. So it really goes into detail about the vineyard sites that you were talking to us about, about Knights Valley. And can you maybe paint a quick picture for listeners with, you know, where this is in general geographic terms um, for the Napa Valley? Sure, you bet. So Knights Valley, a lot of people aren't really familiar with it. It's kind of a little hidden ABA almost in Sonoma County. Uh, but it's just over the hill from Calistoga. 
So it's it's very, very close to Calistoga, just on the western side of the same um, mountain range. So um, the landscape there also looks different compared to many of the sites that I get here in Napa, which are mostly uh, on the valley floor, like in Rutherford, Oakville, and Oaknell. Um, and Knights Valley, the soils are very volcanic and it's hilly terrain. The elevation's not necessarily super high, maybe like 800 feet, something like that. Um, but you know, you have slopes and different things going on. It kind of looks like, a, I think of it as like a patchwork quilt sitting on the hillside with different vineyard blocks oriented different ways. Um, it feels more rugged out there and more remote, even though it's just a few minutes from Calistoga. It's one of the warmer uh, growing areas in Sonoma County, but um, it definitely has its own unique signature. I always get a bit more savoriness, um, a little bit more of like a, a brooding or kind of earthy character from the Knights Valley, whether it be the Sauvignon Blanc or the Cab, I find some of those um, threads run, run through both. Uh, whereas my Napa sites tend to deliver more fruit forward at, at the onset. Um, and our little plusher, um, I call the Napa like flirty and fun and the Knights Valley is a little like mysterious and um, like you're kind of trying to figure it out a little bit and it reveals itself slowly. Yeah, and if you ever visit, you know, the valleys, it's a great um, alternative sort of route to take, you know, so many people head over, um, they, they head over the mountain range, but if you head out through Knights Valley, you're actually able to follow Highway 128 all the way along, you know, back from Calistoga through to Hillsburg, and it's just so beautiful, and that patchwork um, is definitely what you feel when you're driving through that area. Yeah, it's a, and it's a great um, way to transition between like Napa and Sonoma County and some great, fabulous wineries and wine growing regions. An excellent uh, trip for visitors from Calistoga through Knights Valley and Alexander Valley to Healdsburg. You would have an awesome day of it. Wow. It's, it's beautiful and there's a lot of farming that still happens out there other than farming grapes. And it's also not very traveled. So if you want to get off, you know, busy Highway 12 or busy Highway 29, I think that that's a really good, good suggestion, Gianna. Yeah. That's fun. And I'm, love, I'm loving this wine. I don't know about you ladies, but I love the complexity, Gianna. And I love the, the multi-layering that this wine exudes. And I am, you know, definitely thinking like how food friendly this wine is. And I'm sort of envisioning my meal tonight. Yeah. I, and, and, and before you go there, Gianna, you had mentioned the stainless steel and the egg and um, the barrel, you know, and, and I know that that has, that impacts the layers of this wine, but for our listeners, they might not all know what that cement egg is. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, yeah, so we have actually five of these vessels. They hold about 500 gallons and they're really large. They're taller than me. Uh, so they're probably six and a half to seven feet tall. And then just as it sounds, it's a big egg shape. Uh, so it's a little wider at the bottom and narrower at the top. Um, and the thing that we really like about those is it's great for lees contact. We get a lot of um, lees are the, of course, for the listeners, the yeast cells and other solids in the wine that during fermentation, they're moving and circulating throughout the egg. And they give us a lot of not only complexity, but also texture, uh, which was really important for us in, in crafting this wine. Uh, but they're, they're also very just kind of nice to look at. <laughs> they almost look like sculptures um, and they're, they're a very cool vessel to use. And uh, for me, one of the things I like about it is it's sort of a spectrum in terms of both oxygen and texture as you move from stainless steel being almost no oxygen to the barrels which will have the most albeit not that much but still comparatively the most oxygen impact on the wine and then the egg is somewhere in the middle and I there's something about that with sodium block where it gets just this micro dose of it that really works out well 
Well, yeah, I love that. I like that that picture as well with the eggs. Like we at St. Soubri, we use concrete tanks. We don't have the eggs. Ours are like not um, the egg shape, but the egg shape that sort of it like it just the the symbolism and the you know the thoughts that the egg provides it like it almost creates like this you know a thermal life type of a, a feeling so I think that that's great and walking into there's nothing like walking into a cellar or a cave with a line of the concrete eggs because yeah. you just it just feels so surreal and it feels so different it almost like I don't know if, if you ladies remember when Lady Gaga showed up at one of those events in an egg and like, it just <laughs> creates these amazing like feelings of something different. Like this is an egg, concrete egg that's here in a winery cave and it's a vessel for wine and it's adding these extra layers of complexity in the taste and in the profile. There's just something so special and so like cinematic about it. Yeah. I would agree, and I, I they they were very rare, and I think they're you know they're I wouldn't call them common. I think they're special, um, but I you know I don't think people understand what it means. People expect to see barrels in a cave, or they expect to see you know bottles being aged. They, I think a lot of consumers are even surprised at the tanks. Um, but I think they'd be really blown away to see a cement egg. <laughs> yeah. yeah dig into winemaking history, uh, you know, winemakers had been using amphorae and all types of vessels for thousands of years. Uh, people are just used to the more traditional look and, and equipment that they, they think is going to be there. So... Can you tell us a little bit about the development of the label? The artwork is so beautiful with yeah. the little ink stains and the branch and the vine. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yes, so the, the artwork was done by a artist that used watercolor and um, her breath. So she moved the paint across the page that generated this initial um, piece of work by blowing on it, uh, which is really cool. And uh, I wish I had brought all four of the wines, but if you line up the Knights Valley Sauvignon Blanc and then the two cabs, it makes a complete branch. I think there's a picture on the website yeah, of, them all, so. of them all lined up together. Um, yeah, but I, I really like it as well. And I love watercolors. I play around with them a little bit for fun um, on my days off. So when I saw the label, I was just like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what fun, what fun. Well, I want to ask Lisa and Misty, um, what, are you, what are you getting in the nose and on the palette with the Sauvignon Blanc? I mean, like Misty said, Lots of complexity and, and lots of different aromas and flavors here. And I love that the citrus, there isn't any one particular citrus fruit to me that sticks out. I can, I can pick out, you know, a lot of different ones, everything from lemon, lime, tangerine, but all the, all the way to, I, I can even pick out a little banana in there if I try. You know, uh, what do you guys think? I'm I'll getting like, go ahead, Misty. Oh, oh, you go ahead, Lisa. Well, I was just going to say fresh cut grass, which is very, you know, typical and and something I really love in Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and then also, and I, I don't know if it's just me, but I think of fresh cut herbs like chives, maybe, even though I'm getting a lot of stone fruit, there's something a little herbal there for me, which I really enjoy and I think would make it very food friendly. Yeah, I would say um, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. Like I'm also I'm picking up that, you know, the vibrant like citrus, like tone that goes on specifically in like the 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 end of the, the palette, you know, it just lingers on on the palette, which is really nice. But then initially, like you also get some riper fruit, like some riper stone fruit and um, some nice minerality um, that, you know, almost like a I don't know if that's the concrete speaking, but you know, you do, I do pull out some minerality in this wine. That's really, really fantastic. And, um, yeah. 
it gives it nice structure along with that the fruitiness it gives it really nice linear structure that I really enjoy yeah so for listeners like sometimes Sauvignon Blancs like they can be a little one-dimensional like really citrusy or really grassy or you know really stone fruit and sort of overripe like not overripe but just more of a ripe characteristic whereas this it just has a lot of complexity and a lot of the different layers that you associate with Sauvignon Blanc but it's nice that it's um it's all melded into one and it's, um, it's really complex. It's a fun wine. You know, what came to mind to me, um, because it's the season now in fall was kind of the, um, you know, pear, walnut, goat cheese, uh, uh, salad. Uh, and there's so many different variations of that, that you can do that, that, that pick up and complement these flavors. Um, Gianna, what are some of your favorite food pairings to go with your Sauvignon Blanc? Yeah, well, I think you have a great suggestion there right off the bat. I've had it um, like with a pistachio goat cheese salad with, I think this was in the summer, so I think I had some peaches in there as well. But Mm. any of those, you can just kind of riff on that whole idea and any of those would be great. Last night for the virtual tasting, we tasted through this wine as well. And after the, after I had signed off with everybody, I made a seafood risotto because I just had that in my head. It was like, oh my gosh, this, that's what I want to eat with this wine. Um, And it was great. It was just delicious. Um, I put a little saffron in there. So, but I think the citrus and then the slight herbalness really complemented that nicely. Uh, but, you know, also, I got to be honest, one of my favorite things to have with this wine is some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> my happy hour is a glass of this wine and a little bowl of, you know, like the smart pop that you buy at Safeway. So that's a good, good, uh, about 530. Yes. Snack. That's yeah, we talk about that a lot with, you know, popcorn and, you know, I, I, our pantries have ran a little thin. So, you know, the microwave popcorn wasn't available, but I did have some Rancho Gordo um, beans and, you know, in a Dutch oven, like, and throw some coconut oil on there and it's fantastic. And I could see some Herbes de Provence salt on popcorn, just pairing like wonderfully with this, or even just like a little bit of like a chili lime, like thrown a little mm-hmm. bit of the lime component. So it's really versatile. It's fun. Yeah. But popcorn's fun. Everyone is, I think we we need to revisit popcorn around the <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good food during COVID. Um, I can also see pairing this uh, with a lot of cheeses of a great deal of variety. Everything for, you know, you think Sauvignon Blanc is so acid driven which makes you think, oh, triple creme, you know, double creme. Um, but also I was thinking this would be great with some of the, the lighter, more delicate um, hard cheeses uh, like a, a Pecorino Romano, um, you know, even an Asiago. Um, if it ends in, oh, it's probably good. Um, <laughs> What what else what else would you ladies think of as some things that you would pair with this? Oh, well, aged aged gouda in, in the cheese realm. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm you know right now they're and we've chatted about this recently, but apples are very abundant, so you might be able to make some sort of savory apple dish or relish or something like that, and, you know, to go along. I think it would pair nicely with that. Yeah, yummy. I have also had the pleasure of having it with the obvious oysters and Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and I will oh, say it does not, not, does not disappoint. It's pretty, pretty fantastic with that as well. Yummy, yummy. Yeah, I've been thinking seafood this whole time as well. So I'm like, oh, geez, what do I have in our, my, what do I have that I can make? <laughs> that would pair wonderfully with Gianna? this dinner. How does how does it do with Dungeness crab since we're coming up on crab season? Oh, that would be so good. I, I will have to, you know, I don't think I've had that together, but I'll have to try that. I do have it quite often with Thai food. Um, there's a little Thai restaurant in Sonoma that's one of my 
go-tos when I want to get takeout. I don't want to cook. Um, and so it's pretty, pretty great with those flavors. Um, I don't know if it's because of that, but sometimes in the wine, I get a hint of like lemongrass. Uh, mm. And maybe that's just the the Sauvignon Blanc citrus and herbal notes coming together, but it, it evokes that for me. And the creaminess as well that you mentioned, like with your risotto pairing, I can see that, you know, being pulled off really nicely and the crab or crab cakes would sort of mm -hmm. create that same creaminess with your butter sauce. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Now all I want is crab for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think last year we didn't get much of it. So we're looking yeah. forward to this year because last year's season was cut short. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've I've heard that they I, I think for people can go out and fish like individuals, but the commercial crabbers may have a bit of a delay past um, the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but then we we should be full on into crab season, which is my next favorite time of year. <laughs> You're funny. We are really fortunate out here in, um, you know, on, on the West Coast with the, such a great access to produce and um, seafood and whatnot. Last year, though, it was a little bit of a challenge. They had to bring in a lot of that crab from the Oregon, Oregon and Washington coast yep. because they weren't able to fish here. Yeah. Well, yep. cross our fingers. It works out this year. Um, Gianna, so Gallery produces Riesling, a couple of different Sauvignon Blancs, and a couple different Cabernet Sauvignons, right? Correct, yes. Uh, so so uh, are you thinking of expanding the, the product line down the road? Have you got your eye on a particular variety that you want to bring into the fold? Um, or, or a different direction you want to go? I'm just curious. Yeah, um, not in, there's no immediate plans to expand anything, uh, but I have always had um, a little bit of a craving to do like a white blend, a Marsan, Roussan, Viognier blend. Um, of course, you know, you conceptualize these ideas and then finding the fruit source that you're really excited about and pulling it all together is a whole nother matter. Uh, but aromatic whites in general, I just really love working with and drinking. <laughs> um, and then cab, I think we're gonna stick with the cab for now on the red side. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you can't, you can't go wrong there. No, know? it's, it's just so good. Such and a, how, uh, and how did Riesling get to be part of the stable? We recently had somebody else on the show who had a tiny bit of Riesling and it's, it's just not, there's not much of that available in Napa and Sonoma. So I'm just always kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really came down to the fact that we had the opportunity, one of our state vineyards on Spring Mountain has a small amount of Riesling on it. And so that was one of those things that I love where the, the fruit drives then the, the future, you know? So it's like, wow, we have this really cool vineyard block. There's not even less Riesling on Spring Mountain probably than anywhere else. Um, it's a little bit cooler area. And that gave rise to uh, this bottling with Gallery and it's a, we only make like 250 cases of it, uh, but it's a really fun wine. It's just, it's a dry style, but it does have just a like kiss of residual sugar uh, because of, of course the acid is nice and high and bright. Yeah. Um, but that's another wine that's really good with Thai food as well. Yeah, big time. Riesling and Thai food are, you know, it's like a marriage practically. Yeah. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well put together. <laughs> so what do you, you know, we always talk with our guests about what are the challenges that they're, that they're either currently facing or felt like have been challenges through their careers. Um, what pops out to you as this, this was a toughie, got through it, or working on it, whichever way it works? Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest thing in the forefront of my mind as an ongoing challenge with no easy solutions is um, climate change. Uh, it's going to have a huge impact 
on what we do, uh, aside from just all of our lives. Um, but you know, we all the vineyards that the gallery fruit comes from are farmed organically, and that it's been really important to us to develop that um, and in general be do what we do with the least negative impact we can on the planet earth um, because we really depend on uh, as farmers and winemakers and human beings we really depend on our environment and the land um, and i think that in general you will find the grape growers have an enormous amount of respect for the earth and taking care of the property that they work with you know it's like a like almost like a child to them they just pour their heart into it every day uh so that's the probably the thing that like when i wake up in the middle of the night that's what i worry about because it's so much bigger it's about all of us right and it's there's politics involved and policy and government and everything else. And it's such a huge problem. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, what, what is your relationship like with the different vineyard managers that you work with? Um, do you find that you need to spell out, you know, hey, I need you guys to start leafing in the next you know, week or two um, so that I can get the fruit intensity, you know, is it easy? Do they, do they kind of anticipate now what you are going to instruct them to do? What's that like? Yeah, well, I think when you first, so I started here right in 2018. And so when you first start, you want to make sure we're all on the same page, right? So there's a lot of communication that happens but I think after you work uh, even just one vintage together, you get to know each other really well. And so like in terms of vineyard instruction this year, I didn't have to do a lot. It was more just like, I would check in with them and say, how, what's the latest update? How are things going? Uh, and they're already, they're already on top of it. So I'm really fortunate in, in that regard. Cool, that's yeah. nice. That's nice to be able to have that. Where do you think gallery is going to be in another three to five years? What's, oh, the, wow. what's the vision? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I mean, I would like the production now is um, just a couple of thousand cases for each of the bottling. So, you know, we're around like four to 5,000 cases, something like that. Um, and I would like, I mean, I would like that to grow a little, but I'm definitely not looking to have it double or triple or anything like that. Um, there's a lot of special things that I get to do because I make wine on a small scale in that way. And I think that's part of what makes gallery what it is. Um, you know, from a business perspective, I would love to see us expand our DTC connections more. There, has been a lot of um, restaurant and uh, specialty wine shop as our main distribution channels. Mm -hmm. And um, COVID kind of forced us to change that, which I think was good. It was a, you know, that part of it was a blessing in a way because it really made us think about how can we develop our direct to consumer relationships. And I love connecting with people and I love talking with, it's one of like the most fun things in the world to sit down with someone and they're really enjoying the wine you made. It's like, wow, this is so cool. So I would like to do more of that and see that um, distribution avenue grow. Um, yeah, we talked about varieties. It would be really fun to add another aromatic white. You know, I, I guess my biggest wish is just for me to keep honing my skills and my craft is every vintage you learn so much and it all comes down to experience at the end of the day um so that's kind of my thinking about the future oh what, what kind of advice tiana would you give to a young person and particularly a young woman who is beginning her winemaking 
path or journey, whether she's starting out at, you know, one of in one of the viticulture programs or, you know, the scientific background, such as the background that you know that you came from. What what sort of advice or would you give them if you had to go back and do it over? Yeah. Well, I would say there's a couple things. Um, be observant. One of our biggest jobs as winemakers is to be observant. Um, and initially observant without judgment. So you walk into the vineyard and you want to look at what do you see? What's going on with the vines? Um, what do you notice in the soil? Um, what do you notice in the temperature on the day that you're there? And same thing in the, in the winery, as you're tasting the wine, as it's fermenting, as it's aging, what are the characteristics that are coming out? What are the subtleties? What is the smell? What is the taste? Um, so being observant, being hands-on is really important to me. I'm in the cellar every day with the crew doing pump overs or cleaning tanks or topping barrels or whatever it is. And that has been incredibly valuable for my winemaking because the more you are observing and experiencing the wines that you're working on, the better you get to know them and the more you can let the creativity take over. Uh, so that has been one of the greatest things that I've learned in the last five years um, was just to be there working with the wines. Um, and then the last thing would be to keep it simple. So it's really easy to get when you're looking at, for example, 20 different lots of Sauvignon Blanc and trying to figure out how to blend those together. If you get all up in your head and start looking at all the different combinations, you can really drive yourself mad and then you will end up like, ah, I don't know what to do. So keeping it simple, finding the lots that are your favorite, just like going, okay, that, that tastes the best to me. And then when you know that, you don't need to question it. Like, okay, that, that one's good. All right, what else can I put in here that's gonna enhance that? And if it's not gonna enhance it, then, you know, leave it, set it to the side. Um, so yeah, observe it hands-on and, and simple. You brought up a, a great point about, you know, trusting your gut. You know, I, I don't know about you ladies, but I always struggle with that. And then after, you know, I'll overcomplicate something and I'll think about something for so long. And then after I'm like, if I would have just trusted my gut and went with how I felt in the first place, I would have been so much better off. Yeah. But, um, but wine, wine making always amazes me because of all of those, um, selection choices you have when you sit down to actually find create the final blend on a wine so um, that's great great advice for other future winemakers out there yep There's sure is to be said i think for female intuition right <laughs> yep we just need the confidence to support it and to back it up and then i think we would be in a much better position like per right. personally speaking anyways it makes I me think that's common feeling yeah yeah it that resonates me... for a lot of us thinks back to um when you first take childhood science classes and they try to instill upon you to only change one thing in an experiment mm -hmm. <laughs> at a time <laughs> or you don't really know what is and isn't working and I, of course, am terrible at that. <laughs> you know, uh, I try to remember that when I'm doing website design, only make one change at a time to see what is and isn't working, not four things at once. And um, certainly when you're blending wine and trying to find, you know, what is going to be the best expression of all the lots that you've got uh, combined together, that, that, simplification you were talking about, Gianna, has got to be really key. So we're glad you're in that chair rather than the rest of us. <laughs> uh, what, before we go, because we're almost out of time, what do you want our listeners to know about Gallery Wines and Gianna Kelly? Oh my goodness. Well, a very broad question there. <laughs> um, you know, I guess the thing I want to express the most is just that the wines are made with a lot of joy uh, and a lot of enthusiasm for what we do. And that is 
everyone from the amazing crews that work in the vineyards and help us prune and position the shoots and all that sort of thing to the um, cellar staff the, that I have here that I have the privilege of working with. Um, you know, I hope that, I guess my hope is that that comes through, that it brings a little bit of joy into whoever whoever's life is experiencing it in that moment, um, you know, Somebody asked me the other day when when I say wine, like what's the first thing that you think of? And for me, the first thing I think of is community. And that's on multiple levels um, because of the amazing community that we work with in crafting the wines. But also when I got into wine in the first place, it was um, because it brings people together. We share a meal together, we converse, we connect, we have a glass of wine. And um, it's just something that helps us keep us keep us connected as as human beings. So very nice, cool, exciting. So where can our listeners get Gallery Wines? Yes, well, the website <laughs> is up and ready to ship to you. So hop on over there. You can see the beautiful artwork on the entry page Yep. and um, purchase a bottle of gallery wines. If you're in Sonoma, we have them at the Depot restaurant, my family's restaurant. And there's a beautiful big outdoor patio there. You can order a glass of both the Knights Valley Sauvignon Blanc and the Cab is also there available. And sit around and the pool. A, yes. And there's a number of um, local restaurants here in Napa, like Torque, just uh, put the Riesling on their list. Wonderful. So that would be a very great place to try. Um, but yes, we're, we're delighted to ship to you. And I'm happy to do a private virtual tasting with anybody anytime. So shoot us an email and request it. All right. Excellent. Anybody else have any final questions or parting words? Oh, I'm, I'm just excited to see sort of art incorporated into, you know, this whole entire wine portfolio. It's, um, it's really nice refreshment. I mean, there's been other, you know, art sort of renditions, but it's, it's very refreshing and it's very, um, I would say grounded in like a really nice sense of place. Um, highlighting the different vineyard sites. So what a fun project and what a fun winery to be making wine for. So those are my mm -hmm. parting words. And thanks for sh sharing the wine, Jan. It's, it's yeah. a beautiful wine and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. You do. Really beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Gianna. It was lovely to chat with you today and uh, I hope someday we can even meet in person. Yes. Me this too. Is all, all over. And now, now we can all go brush up on our watercolors, like you said, and you know, <laughs> try some new art techniques because it just seems so much. These labels are are quite inspiring. They are. Well, thank you, ladies. It's been another fun hour of uh, Wine Women Radio. Appreciate everybody's time. Oh, that's right. I got to move my glass in front of me behind this non-green screen background I have. So uh, thank you to, again, Tiana, for the wine. It's absolutely stellar and lovely and it's got me salivating, which is a good thing, right? Thanks, awesome. Missy. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>